You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome everyone back to the post-game broadcast. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And I'm coming to you after the, uh, well, much more interesting uh, than it began, 50-36 uh, win over Arizona State for UCLA. Uh, the Bruins um, pulled it out, ended up covering. So I don't know why anyone out there is complaining. Um they made it very interesting at the end of this game. It was 42-36 um, after ASU went for two because uh, their two-point plays were unstoppable in this entire game. Um, and it was bordering on a second-half collapse for UCLA. Um, there was a bad fumble uh, on an exchange for DTR to uh, Kaz Allen. Uh, ball just ended up on the turf, and then ASU recovered and scored. Um but the defense in the second half was uh, was was pretty bad. Um, it did seem like the coaching staff went a little bit too early to a backup heavy rotation. Um, there was that one drive where pretty noticeably uh, Swessinger was in, um, Magna was in, uh, backup DBs were in. Uh, I think I saw Isaiah Newcomb out there. And they, it was probably a series or two too early. Uh, the game was getting nearly out of hand at that point, but it wasn't quite. Um, I think it was like a 25-point margin at that point. It was just a hair too early, I thought, and I think it came back to uh, bite them a little bit. That's really the story of it. Um, I don't think there was – I mean, I didn't really have any problem with what UCLA did offensively in this game except for the two turnovers. Um, you know, there was that one drive where they went three and out – uh, on the three straight running plays, but I mean, they'd been running the ball really well all game. I mean, I thought the final, uh, the final give to Colson Yankoff was a little bit telegraphed, but I mean, if John Gaines doesn't get completely bowled over there, they might convert it. Um, so I, I didn't really have a problem with that so much, maybe a hair conservative. It was more just, um, I think from a coaching standpoint, the problem was, uh, I think, calling off the dogs a little too early defensively um, and and trying to rotate too many backups in in the third quarter when it was still, you know, there was still enough time for ASU to make it interesting. Um, but uh, just because the second half happened most recently, let's not belabor uh, that part of it because I think the big thing here was UCLA's insane running game. Um, Zach Charbonnet did not play in this football game. Listener, let me tell you how many yards UCLA ran for. 402. 402 yards. They averaged almost 10 yards a carry. Again, I need to inform you, Zach Charbonnet did not play in this football game. Uh, Dorian Thompson-Robinson had a career-high rushing, but it was 120 of those 402 yards. 
Listener, the other 280-some-odd yards came from Kazmir Allen, Keegan Jones, and Colson Yankoff. Um, we have talked extensively about our concerns about the lack of a second string or true backup running back. Well, they had three different guys run for over six yards per carry in this game who were not Dorian Thompson-Robinson or Zach Charbonnet. Uh, that's insane. Um, Kazmir Allen had a 75-yard touchdown. Uh, he was um, electric, but Keegan Jones, I mean, look... There were some plays where I was like, yeah, Charbonnet probably would have turned that into a bigger one, but uh, he was knifing through that defense. You know, they were doing some more interesting gives with those guys, those kind of inside gives to kind of get them up the backside of the tackle. Um, but I think it maybe what the, st- the lesson or story here is when they're designing a game plan for their smaller backs, they do some different stuff. But most of the time when they're putting Keegan Jones in there, he's trying to run the Zach Charbonnet runs, which is not his game. Uh, I don't know. I'll workshop that one. Um, but uh, these guys um, ran extremely well. Colson Yankoff um, played his butt off, more or less sealed the game on that closing drive. Um, uh, it was... Uh, Really a startling display of Chip Kelly's um, ability to craft a running game. Um, to do all of that without your you know, star, do-everything running back was just uh, otherworldly. Um, Dorian Thompson-Robinson I thought was incredible in this game. Uh, he, threw, he threw that first pick, and then whoever you want to blame for the fumbled exchange. Um, but between those plays... Um, was pretty much lights out again had seven incompletions but one of those was the pick uh and then i don't know two or three other drops i would say um i mean he was once again pretty much on it throwing the football and then running it um just the athletic arrogance that he plays with um and the way he backs it up with how he performs is is something i haven't seen from a ucla player this is the kind of stuff that you saw from like i don't know like, the, the, the analogies for the way he's playing for me are all, like, Duke basketball players who are really good and really obnoxious, which is probably, like, not the most favorable thing for Dorian Thompson-Robinson, but I do mean it as a compliment. Because how I always thought of it was, well, if one of those guys played for a team that I rooted for, I'd be like, oh, this guy's the best thing in the world. It's just that they're for the other team that you hate them and, you know, want bad things for them. I'm sure there are 11 other teams in the Pac-12 and their fan bases who want bad things for Dorian Thompson-Robinson. Um, but isn't it fun to watch a guy like that uh, for, you know, a team that you out there care about? Um, just, I mean, leaping over dudes, but, like, just talking such... Like, obviously, like, you can't even necessarily read his lips, but just uh the mad trash that he must be talking after every single one of those plays is i mean you can just you can almost feel it um it's it's something to behold uh but he ran for 120 yards uh threw for another 169 and had four touchdowns um yeah he was he was uh incredible uh in this game and UCLA needed every bit of it i mean offensively they needed every bit of those 402 rushing yards cuz the defense um struggled you know i'd say it went like in the end it kind of went more or less the way i expected like i expected arizona state's offense to do pretty well against this defense i didn't expect it in the way it happened 
I thought it would be pretty consistent throughout, but that second quarter, UCLA's defense shut this offense down. Um, and then in the third quarter, it just it felt like they kind of inexplicably went to a lot more backups when there was a really good rhythm forming. Like, it felt like Darius Muasau was playing pretty clearly one of his best games. Um, seemed like he had a really good feel. Like, they had him in, like, semi-spy situations. I didn't know if those blitzes were fully called or if those were reads. But he was he was just making all the right moves, um, and they pulled him on that drive, uh, the the drive I keep referencing in the third quarter, um, and uh, I think they had Swetchinger out, and I, Swetchinger didn't play poorly on that drive. It's just you didn't have them the captain of your defense out there, as well as some other guys, um, and uh, but I thought I thought so many of the guys were were really getting in a rhythm against this this offense for ASU, and then it just seemed like they. Uh, um, again, it seemed like the coaching staff kind of in an unforced error, um, broke that rhythm in the third quarter, um, because the defense actually did look pretty good in the first half, um, holding Arizona state to 10 points, uh, and shutting down several drives in that second quarter. And then, uh, the second half, it was just, it was back to the same kind of gong show stuff. Um, you know, struggling to make tackles, uh, secondary started to have some, uh, you know, minor key blowups. And uh, it, you know, was just kind of onward from there. Um, but in the first half, they were even getting some pressure uh, at times. Um, you know, the the first couple of drives for ASU, uh, it looked like the linebackers were non-existent. But once uh, Muasau kind of got in the game uh, and got a got a feel for what ASU was doing, he looked a lot better. Um, so anyway, I mean, they allowed thirty six points, not great. Um, but I, I mean, I think I in my game preview i predicted 37 so it's not like it was an outlandish expectation it's just the way it all happened where 26 of those were scored in the second half you know not ideal um but like like we were saying um asu has some good players uh x valade is a good running back um their backup daniel Ngata is a good running back and then elijah badger obviously showed uh and uh, jalen conyers as well so you know, not against expectation, just, you know, it was concentrated in the second half and, and, and got very, uh, very worrying uh, there at the end. Um, but for UCLA, I mean, there were, there were a lot of standouts, um, obviously all the running backs. Jake Bobo didn't catch a lot of balls, but he caught some big ones early that seemed to get the offense in a rhythm. Um, but really, I mean, it was it was Dorian Thompson Robinson and then the running backs, Casimir Allen, it was, it wasn't just the 137 yards rushing. He also had 63 yards, uh, in the receiving game. I mean, he had a full 200 yard day. If you, even if you don't count kick returns, um, just a really explosive performance from him. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, it's, it's a road win by two touchdowns. Um, that, yeah, could it have been a road win by four touchdowns if they'd kept their foot on the gas in the third quarter? I kind of think so. I think they had it in them. Um, but as it is, it's still a, a pretty monumental um, beating of a, of a, you know, I think a, a very much a record bad ASU, but certainly if they had been starting Borgay, I think from the beginning of the year. Let me look at ASU's schedule really quick. Because I think if they'd been starting Borgay from the beginning of the year, I would have given them Eastern Michigan for sure. Um, and if they'd started Borgay against Stanford, they would have won that game. So 
that's two flipped into the win column. They would have been five and four after this one. Um, so it's not, I don't think they're as bad as their record indicates. I don't think they're as bad as their um, statistical profile at this point indicates, as I said in the preview. And I think this game bore it out. I mean, I think they're going to be, you know, at the beginning of the year, I was saying Arizona was going to win that ASU game. I now would flip it. Um, I think Arizona State's quite a bit more um, play-to-play competent than Arizona is. So I think ASU wins that game. I think they'll have a chance against Washington State, and they get Oregon State at home. Um, you know, I don't think they're going to be bowling, but I wouldn't be surprised if they finish 5-7. and seven. So... Anyway, uh, my point is, it's it's a pretty good result to win this one by two touchdowns. Now, the defense is what we know it is for UCLA. It's not very good, um, you know, but most of the defenses in the Pac-12 are not very good this year. If you look at what USC did tonight to a much against a, a much more offensively inept California, um, I think you have to walk away from that one thinking. UCLA is going to be able to score 60 again on USC if they really want to. Um, you know, USC allowed 35 points to Cal. Uh, next week, um, just give you a sneak preview of my preview. Arizona's defense is a tire fire. Uh, it's worse uh, in many respects than the ASU defense we just watched. Watched. It's worse than Stanford's defense. Comparable to Colorado's. Uh, UCLA should be able to score at will, especially if we find out whatever was going on with Charbonnet. Uh, hopefully he's back next week. Um, if, uh, <clears throat> but, AS, but Arizona's offense, they'll, they'll be able to score some points against this UCLA defense. I don't think it, it'll be the same sort of deal as this one. They won't be able to do it as consistently as UCLA is able to do it against theirs. Um, so anyway... Uh, it was a, it was a, it was a fun high-scoring game, you know. I, I don't think you'd be wrong to take the over in basically any remaining UCLA game this year. Um, and yeah, we'll uh, we'll be back at it this week for hopefully what is not going to be another seven thirty game, but more than likely will be. And uh, eventually, I'll be able to be coherent on these things again. All right, my voice is failing. I've got to write. Talk to you all soon. The baseball season is in full swing, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every weekday as we recap every player from every game. We'll talk waiver wire ads, drops, players to trade for, prospects who could make an impact, and everything in between. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found.